This is Inside Purple and Gold. All right, back with Inside Purple and Gold. Jace Frederick, Dami Zutani here. Today, breaking down the Vikings offense. We're going to get into skill positions here in just a second. Um, if you like what you're listening to, follow, subscribe, hit the plus, hit the bell on your favorite plot, podcast platform to make sure that Inside Purple and Gold is showing up um, in your queue, uh, on your phone, ready to download every episode so you don't miss a thing as we work towards the beginning of the season here. Dane, we talk a lot about these weapons. Um, we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, even Irv Smith, who we still see potential for coming off injury. It's it's a good group. How good is this group? Because I know when we compared edge rushers, we just we just lauded over, um, you know, Daniil Hunter and Darius Smith. And then when we compared it to other pass rushing duos, it's like, it's good. Um, but there are a lot of good ones out there. It's almost like a reality check. But how about when you compare these skill positions, where does Minnesota land? Um, and I think we actually had an article from ESPN from this summer that kind of helps us do that. Yeah, the, the article from ESPN's Bill Barnwell was really helpful. But I, I did the kind of mental math in my brain, you know, over the weekend, you know, in the past week when we've been talking about this. And without diving into every single roster, like my my gut reaction was always, the Vikings weapons have to be near the top of the league. I just don't know who has that type of firepower with whether you want to rank Dalvin cook as the 80th best player, or the 54th best player, or whatever the lists say he's among the most dynamic running backs in the league. As far as when the ball is in his hands, when he's on the field, but you have a guy like that, you have Justin Jefferson who we've talked about as a cheat code on the field, Adam Thielen, KJ, you, you listed them all. And, and I, when I'm doing those, that like exercise in my head. I just can't think are there teams that have this many people that, that can be dynamic with the ball. So the more I thought about it, I'm like, okay, well, I feel like they have to be in the top 10. And and then you see Bill Barnwell's list. And, you know, I think we're going to tease this a little more, but we'll just say they were fourth on, on Bill Barnwell's list. Right. Number four, that seems fair, right? Like you look at it, yeah, let's go over those teams ahead and behind. Okay. Well, then here. So we'll just start at 10. And and, and again, like, would you agree that, that, that the Vikings, your gut reaction was that they're 10, like in the top 10? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the, the Buffalo Bills are 10. And, and we're not going to go deep into every every team. Nope. Yep. I just, yes or no. I agree. I think that, yep, receivers are comparable. And then the Vikings are better at running back. Right. The Dolphins are nine. The yeah, Vikings have better running back. Yep, correct. Yep, I agree. I, I would put the Vikings ahead of the Dolphins. And again, important to note, Bill Barnwell's list, it just looks at weapons. Running backs, receivers, tight ends. Yep. It does no, it's not take into account ranking. quarterback. Right. right. Just weapons. Number eight, Philadelphia. I, yep. would agree, I would agree with that. For sure. I'm actually, I would put Buffalo ahead of Philadelphia, but yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's probably some mixing and matching here we could do. Number seven, interesting, Super Bowl champs. But they just lost some 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 firepower. Los Angeles Rams at seven. The the running back room is so unproven there. I agree. Um, I think that one's close. I think once you get into the top seven, it's all really close. But I would still give Minnesota the edge. Yeah. Yeah, and, and obviously they have Cooper Cup, and and that kind of buoys you up the rankings. Uh, yeah, and number Alan six, and we'll see coming back. Yeah, lot to prove there. Number six, the Los Angeles Chargers. That one's pretty Maybe? tough. That's where that's, that's tough. Where, I, yeah, I mean, I. Uh, 
I guess I'd give it to Minnesota because Justin Jefferson's a clear advantage over the other receivers. Yeah. But like Eckler's great. Like, I guess your tight end is cook and Eckler. You're pretty comparable tight end. You're comparable. I think Justin Jefferson's enough better than Keenan Allen or Mike Williams that it makes up for that. Those guys are better than Adam Thielen. Yeah, no, that's fair. And the last one that the Vikings rank ahead of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Dalvin Cook is better than Leonard Fournette. Tight end is a wash. Maybe Irv Smith, I might rather. I think the Bucs would love to have Irv Smith. Um, Justin Jefferson's the best receiver. So I I actually understand it. Yeah. Evans and Godwin are a great, are a dynamic duo. I think Evans and Godwin collectively. But yeah, you have have injury concern there. Okay. And then the Vikings slot in at four. And, And we've talked at length about okay, here, here's everyone on this this offense, and here are the weapons that they have. The teams ahead, I, I have no argument with it. I don't know no. about you. No. Um, three is San Francisco. Like, no question. Better better weapons, definitely. George Kittle is a massive separator there. Yep, and Debo, like I would say Justin Jefferson is better, but Debo Samuel is a is a crazy weapon in the, in the league that, like, you can use him in so many different forms. Maybe Justin Jefferson's a better receiver. I think you can make the argument that, that Debo Samuel is a better football player. I agree. There is so much hand-wringing about Justin Jefferson not being uh, all-pro last year. Um, what was he not? All-pro first team because Debo got the nod mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, I have no qualms with De- Debo getting in. He might be one of the best pure football players in the NFL. This one, I think it, they're actually on par with 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 the Vikings. The Las Vegas Raiders at two. I, yes, I guess you're getting Devontae Adams, and that's that's a huge upgrade. He's the best receiver in the league, probably. Darren Waller is a big win at tight end, and Hunter Renfro. I think he's going to start to become a player that that we consistently underrate, and we realize like, oh, every year, like, wow, he sniffed 100 catches and and 1,200 yards, like. He I, he's the one of the best route runners in the league. I would rather have Hunter Renfro on my team this year than Adam Thielen. I think I agree with that. So so maybe, Dalvin, maybe Cook is significant, Dalvin Cook is significantly better running back, but yeah. But you have a proven number one. Yeah, uh, I'm fine with the, the Raiders being ahead of, of the Vikings too. And then the last one, I think Bill Bill Barnwell used the term like it's not even very close, and and I would agree with that. The Cincinnati Bengals have the best weapons in the league. Bar none. They do. They just do. It, it, Joe Mixon on par with Dalvin Cook. Jamar Chase on par with with Justin Jefferson. T. Higgins outstanding. Tyler Boyd. Um, they even have Hayden Hurst at their tight end, who's nothing to write home about, but he's at least proven to be a good tight end in the league. So and and Barnwell said um, he rated receivers as the most valuable thing. Like when he was putting this all together, yeah. like your receiving core mattered more than your running backs, um, and that makes sense just in the NFL in general. Um, so with that all in mind, I think Barnold did a pretty good job, pretty accurate here. Favorable for the Vikings in that anything that I thought was pretty close to a tie, uh, the Vikings got the edge. And I think Justin Jefferson's a huge part of that. Um, so that's the tiebreaker. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Kind of working out of these rankings, Dane, because you see like these weapons, I think we both attribute that this is what makes Kirk Cousins life a little easier um, in the ways that the offensive line makes it more difficult. Kind of canceled mm-hmm. out uh, by what these weapons can do. I do think when we talk about this, um, when we talk about the weapons, we talked about Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. We don't talk about KJ Osborne much. I am actually pretty interested to see what he's going to do this year. I don't know about you, but I really think this is a guy who, 
I he kind of broke out last year, but I think maybe he's in line for a massive breakout this year. Um, interested what you think about that because just when I look when I look at what the Rams did last year, they ran an yeah. eleven personnel, which is three wide receivers, eighty six percent of the time. 86% of the time, they ran out three wide receivers. That puts K.J. Osborne, if Kevin O'Connell sticks to kind of that kind of scheme, maybe you can tell tell us a little bit like how many three wide receiver sets in practice. Um, but if K.J. Osborne's on the field that much, when the Vikings only went three wideouts 47% of the time last year, mm-hmm. 40% less than the Rams, I think K.J. Osborne could be in a, for a huge line of work. And I know we both like the talent. Yeah, just watching the practices this summer, this training camp, like, it's obvious they're going to run a lot of three wide. Every time you look up, it's like, okay, there's KJ Osborne out on the field again. Oh, he, he's running with, with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen again. And that, that those times were a little bit few and far between last year. I feel like they were working in the tight end. You know, in Zimmer's offense, they were going two tight ends a lot of the time. 47% of three wide receivers is towards the bottom of the league. Right. So by opportunity alone, I think KJ Osborne's going to take a jump. But the dude is is massively talented. And I think that's something in Minnesota people realize, but I think nationally people are going to start to realize like he can catch the ball. His route running could be improved, but you could say that about almost any receiver in the league. He's fast. He's strong. Like, like watch him play football. Like he has no problem going over the middle. He has no problem taking on you know, a would-be tackler in the open field. He also pretty good blocker. Um, I think the biggest thing that I noticed out of KJ Osborne throughout camp and, and just watching him and, you know, the way he moves and shakes throughout practice, he's always hanging out with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, always. Those three, like it, I feel like the dynamic duo has become a trio. Like the way that KJ Osborne just is always around those two, I think kind of speaks volumes to like where he's at on this roster. He's not hanging out with, with the fringe receivers anymore. He's not hanging out with, you know, and this is not, not taking anything away from Amir Smith, Marset and BC Johnson, but KJ Osborne last year was hanging out with those guys and, and, and talking store with those guys. And now he's, he's chopping it up with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Like those are all just things you notice in practice. And, and obviously, yes, the team, talks to the team it's not i'm not making a huge deal out of just like they hang out together but they're always seen as a group and kj osborne tweeted it the other day like he did the three deep thing everyone remembers the vikings three deep from back in the day with with randy chris carter and jake reed like it's a play on the past but kj osborne is being included in in that receiver grouping now because he's really good and and any coach you ask whether it's kevin o'connell whether it's west phillips keenan mccardle the wide receivers coach, they'll go out of their way to praise this guy. And and I think you're right. Like looking at what the Rams do, looking at what KJ Osborne's done in the past and kind of melding those two together with talent and opportunity. This is a guy I think a lot of people are going to know about by the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, you just look at what KJ Osborne did in expanded opportunities at the end of last year. I mean, he was playing 80 plus snaps, 80 plus percentage snaps, you know, when Adam Thielen, was was battling that ankle i um, mean and, and osborne over those final six weeks six targets a game five touchdowns more than 15 yards a catch and to me like i just think he is a bona fide big play wide receiver now, like mm-hmm. you mentioned the route running could be better i don't know if he's gonna get open every single play uh but 
but like, like he, he's a guy Carolina who, game. That was the guy who caught the game winning touchdown in overtime last year. Like he right. always stepped up. He seemed to step up at all times last year. He is an excellent deep ball threat, um, which is with his speed. And then you talk about the strength too, as well. Uh, I think he fits into that Van Jefferson was such a big play guy for the Rams last year. KJ totally. Osborne, more than 15 yards a catch over those last six. Van Jefferson averaged 16 yards a catch per game last year. Got to 800 yards, largely on big plays. Uh, and I think KJ Osborne slots into that role incredibly well. I think he's probably a better player than Van Jefferson or will prove to be that. Uh, I think he's going to be a huge part of this offense. Um, but I guess that kind of makes me wonder then, like, People have high hopes for Herb Smith, right? Because like he, mm-hmm. you know, the Vikings used high draft capital on him. Um, he was a productive player in college. He's shown flashes here. How many opportunities do you think we're looking at for Herb Smith? Um, just in the fact that I understand he's probably going to be on the field. An 11 personnel, that's one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Good chance Herb Smith's on the field a lot. Uh, but the Vikings didn't target the tight end very much last year, largely because, you know, it was Tyler Conklin, uh, 97 targets for tight ends last year. The Rams, 94 targets for tight ends last year. They didn't yeah. use the tight end hardly at all. Um, and I'm not so sure how much Irv Smith's going to be used. What do you think about that, especially as Smith missed, like, all of training camp? Yeah, Irv Smith's pretty hard to to figure out because I think last year people were, were looking at him and talking about him as this, this massive breakout candidate at, at the tight end position the rhetoric surrounding Irv Smith last off season was like almost a guarantee. Like this guy's going to be a top five tight end in the league. You just, do you just watch out? Like he is to someone that the, the league doesn't know what's coming. And, and while I think he has a lot of talent, I think at some point, like the injuries do catch up to you and certain players probably pass you by. And regardless of, of what offense the Vikings are going to run, I think, KJ Osborne's probably passed Irv Smith by as far as a weapon to rely on. And that doesn't mean Irv Smith can't be a productive player, right? I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, the Vikings should move on from Irv Smith. I'm not saying that Irv Smith's just going to, you know, kind of fall by the wayside in this offense. I think he can be extremely productive. I think he can be a red zone target. I think he can be someone who opens up the middle of the field and, and is a weapon that you use. I just don't think he's someone that's going to be a featured part of this offense. And that's okay. Because, uh, there's a few t- There's very few tight ends out there that are featured parts of their offense. And, and they can, they're the people that aren't can still be really good players. I look at a guy like, you know, Hunter Henry on, on the new England Patriots. No one would say he's a top five tight end, but he led the team in touchdown receptions last year. And so while I don't think Irv Smith's going to lead the team in touchdown receptions this year, because Justin Jefferson exists, like I think Irv Smith's someone who can find a niche in this offense. I just don't think he's going to be this featured player that everyone romanticized last year. When Irv Smith is like going to be maybe the fourth option, like that's part of the reason why the volume's down. I will be down, I think, in our minds, um, along with you know the Rams' history of not using it as much. Uh, but frankly, like I think that more says something about the wide receivers and the fact that they do have three good options. Um, you know, like. It, and when you have those kinds of options in the passing game and you have a quarterback who's been productive uh, throughout his career, I think we just want to see them pass the ball more. And that maybe not even like in terms of attempts, because like, you know, the Vikings weren't down in the passing attempts last year, but there is always the question about were they being aggressive enough? And here's where mm-hmm. that comes in, uh, like per sharp football stats on second and seven plus last year, Minnesota passed the ball 62% of the time. 
And that might sound like a lot, but it ranked 25th in the NFL. And other teams are throwing the ball like 80-plus percent of the time in those situations. I think that's a big part of the offensive preview is, like, this team was conservative, and especially in spots where you should not be conservative um, in, in the past. And I'll get into this a little bit more in props, but, like, they didn't pass enough in the red zone, I don't think. Um, they didn't pass enough in passing down situations on second down. Like, I think that's where, when we look at what this team can become offensively, where they can go, um, I think – an amped up aggression is going to be a big part of that. Like Kevin O'Connell, maybe being more aggressive, more willing to go to the passing game as he was with the Rams, uh, much more so than, than these offenses that were run by a different offensive coordinator every year, all under Mike Zimmer's thumb. Yeah. I think it, it became almost a meme last year during the season that like, Oh, second and 10 Clint Kubiak's going to run halfback dive up the middle. And it became a meme because it was true. Like, yeah. like to your point in, in your stats that you just recited, like, the Vikings were predictable and boring. And it would almost be like if they didn't get the play they wanted on first down, they were almost fine conceding the drive itself. And that's not a good way to run your offense. So you've seen a little bit of creativity out of Kevin O'Connell in, in, in training camp. He's he's really dialed back almost everything. I think there's things happening behind closed doors that, that we're not seeing, that the fans aren't seeing. And certainly in preseason, the Vikings were about the most vanilla offense you could see. Right. All of that is to be expected. But I think when September 11th rolls around against Green Bay, you're going to see the aggression you talked about and also the creativity that has been lacking in the past, both in play design and in play calling in, in certain situations. So that's going to be able to elevate all of these guys. It's why we keep saying, like, yes, these offensive weapons are good, but if the Vikings are going to take a, a leap this year, it's going to be because Kevin O'Connell and that X factor of, you know, he he's, he's unlocking and, and he, helping these guys reach a potential they haven't seen yet. I think that's going to unlock everything. If they're just less predictable, if you're throwing more on first down, if you're throwing more on second and long, uh, I, I think that opens up a lot of things like this team against good defenses last year, they couldn't run the ball either. And I think it's because you're, Super predictable against the Rams, three yards a carry against the Browns, 2.8 yards a carry against the Bengals, three yards a carry. So like nothing was working offensively. And that's because against good defenses, if they have a good idea of what's coming, they're going to beat you Load no matter up. what yeah, your weapons just... are. If you're prepared and you're a good defense with good talent, like it, you can then almost gain the advantage against offenses in the NFL when that really shouldn't be the case. Uh, like let's look at the offensive line uh, for ESPN, the team pass block win rate last year. 54%, 25th in the NFL. Uh, and we always say like, well, this offensive line's terrible. Well, guess when they're passing? Oftentimes it is passing situations. Uh, if you're a pass on first and 10, much less likely to get like that vicious pass rush, that vicious blitz um, that's going to tear you apart. Like when, But when it's nothing but super predictable, when it's only third and eight, uh, you're setting up an offensive line that's questionable for failure. I think just like creativity, aggression, mixing things up. I think that helps everybody. I think it helps Dalvin Cook. I think it helps the offensive line. I think it helps Kirk Cousins. It, it, you cannot be predictable in the NFL because defense becomes 10 times easier. So I think if you can keep defenses on their heels, everybody is going to look better because of it. So Kevin O'Connell is a pretty big part. Kevin O'Connell, Wes Phillips, big parts of this offensive preview. Um, but going off of that offensive line step, we know it needs to be better. I just want to know as we kind of wrap this up, this segment here, before we get into our purple prop party, we're excited for that. We're going to go through a bunch of prop lines uh, for the offense as we head into the season. Those key guys we've already talked about, um, the Vegas lines, we'll tell you whether we'd take the overs or unders. We know the offensive line needs to be better. It has to be better for everything to work. Uh, 
What's your confidence level, Dane, that it will be better? That it will be better? It's it's very high. I think the offensive line will be improved. I still don't think it will be very good, though. Um, I, I think you have a bona fide right tackle in, in Brian O'Neill that it's among the best in the game. And I think you got a lot of question marks after that. I think Darisaw could take a leap. I think Christian Darisaw, your left tackle, we saw enough flashes last year that you could convince yourself, okay, heading into to year two with an offseason under his belt, he's stronger, he understands the game. He could take a tangible leap in year two. And, and then we talked a little bit about this on Sunday. If you have a, a, a solid left tackle and a great right tackle, if you have bookend tackles that can make the entire offensive line look better, it can make up for a lot of the weaknesses along the offensive lines. But I, I think there's there's question marks across the board after that. Ezra Cleveland, he's fine. I don't know if he's he's dominant at a, at a left guard. I don't know if he can reach that level. I think he's probably just a serviceable left guard in the league. Definitely better run yeah. blocker than a pass blocker. Right. And, and just like he's not, I, I think you're ceiling, maybe high floor, low ceiling with Ezra Cleveland. Garrett Bradbury, we've talked about so much this 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 offseason, and we've talked about him because for all the wrong reasons. He, he worries me the most, and and I've said that time and time again. You've said that time and time again. Uh, it, it was a problem you didn't go address this offseason, uh, so that worries me. And then Ed, Ed Ingram, I think he's win, he's going to win the starting right guard, guard job. I think a lot of people out there on Vikings Twitter have – kind of started to operate under the assumption that Ed Ingram is going to just be amazing. Like right. he got destroyed by Javon Kinlaw. Like in, in, in one of his reps against a one this year in the preseason, he got put on his butt and it was a sack. So you, you think Kenny Clark's not going to be licking his chops to go up against Ed Ingram? Like the guys like that, like, look, I think Ed Ingram will be better than, than the options of the past at, at right guard. But I think it's it's dangerous to just be like, oh, yeah, this guy's just going to step in and, and fix all our problems. So long-winded, like, yeah, they'll be better probably just because of Darisaw. But I think there's genuine concern this year, and, and for good reason, with the offensive line. Yeah, just because you are better than Jesse Davis does not mean you are a starting caliber guard in the NFL. Right. Uh, just because, you know, people were like, well, it's the better option. So you want to get excited about a rookie and that's fine to do, but just don't maybe have your expectations sky high. Don't make assumptions that he is going to all of a sudden be the salve um, for this offensive line because it likely won't be the case, but we both agree. If it's adequate, this offense could be really good. Um, but adequate is kind of like a, a high bar for this line to clear given what we've seen in the past. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll do a lot of, Purple prop party. Uh, do do some gambling lines for the season and uh, take our over-unders on them for various players and also a bit of news as well.